This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Charlie on from Compa, and our topic today is why recruiters, not surveys, are the best source for pay data. So, fantastic topic. Um, let's just jump right into it. Charlie, would you do us a favor and, and introduce both yourself and uh, Compa? Yeah, thanks for having me on, William. Sure. Um, hey, everyone. My name is Charlie Franklin. I'm co-founder and CEO of Compa. Um, my background, by the way, is a comp practitioner. I was most recently at Workday prior to founding Compa um, and spent 10 years um, in compensation, large enterprise and consulting. And um, so one of you building a product that I wish that I had when I was a comp professional. And a little about Compa. Um, Compa is software for compensation and talent acquisition teams um, to better get a better grasp of real-time market trends and create smarter offers. So thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. And these are two groups uh, historically that, that don't necessarily talk to one another. It's been my experience at least at comp, you know, they're deep into Excel and they're over on, you know, on the other side of the office and they're down and down to one hole and, and recruiters are, you know, and similarly busy, but doing something completely different. And one of the things I, I love about company is you're pulling those folks closer together so so that they can talk about data so that they get offer letters out because the candidates are moving so fast. Yeah, I think of you know, a reasonable analogy is comp people are like finance and mm. TA folks are like sales. And you know, similar um, to that dynamic, th- there's almost a, a frenemies vibe where you have recruiters whose role is to get butts and seats and you have comp whose role is to Make sure that your um, comp is is stewarded, and it is the largest line item spend of of most enterprises. And so, we think that getting these teams to talk to each other in kind of a higher bandwidth way um, creates a huge difference. I know when I was in comp, um, my experience with TA wasn't the best. Um, frequently, it was you know a recruiter coming to me with what felt like their hair is on fire, asking for an exception. I'd ask to see the data. I would get um, you know, a bunch of really interesting information that was anecdotal. It usually be things like screenshots and, and paragraphs and it's really challenging to just sort of forensically piece it back together. Um, I've developed more empathy since then, um, recognize that recruiters actually kind of operate with a hand tied behind their back when it comes to putting offers out because they don't have the data that they need, certainly don't have the tools. I, as a comp person, like working in Excel um, recruiters, you know, it's not their native environment for sure. Um, so we're just looking for a better way, bring these teams together, get a little bit smarter about offers and get some really interesting data on the table. Yeah. You, uh, you, you're right at the end. You, 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 you focus on the smarter part. I focused on the speed. I guess it's a combination of all those things, right? With candidates, it's gotta be the right offer at the right time. Uh, and, and again, you know, looking at comp 
at least historically, we've looked at it at, you know, at market, below market, or above market. Okay, how do we actually do this? And some of it deals with the desperation of the of the of where we need in talent. So if it's a full stack developer and it's been a position that's opened for six months, that's those are lines of code that just will never get back. And so, uh, so a I love what you're doing. I love that you're pulling these teams together. It's it's not easy, but it's required, especially in in you know, with candidates as they are now, is the speed of their expectation of a response time mm-hmm. is is has definitely changed. Uh, I think it's more consumer oriented, uh, basically. Um, so let's let's talk about salary data and and where do we where have we historically you know i think people probably know salary.com or payscale uh, from a brand perspective but where have we historically gotten pay data uh, and let's start with that a history lesson and then we'll, we'll work forwards yeah absolutely you know uh, companies rely on market data to set their pay guidelines or salary bands or whatever you call them um, basically the guardrails to do two things. One, figure out how much to pay people. And two, figure out whether people are paid fairly and competitively. <clears throat> Historically, uh, the most traditional source that's still in wide use today um, is relying on surveys. And this is where companies will um, participate in a survey by getting a data dump from their HRIS on what their current employees make, matching that up to some standard um, job titles and levels and geographies and currencies and all that good stuff and shipping that off to a um, survey provider um, who will uh, match up the data and um, provide aggregated insights back to companies in the form of, you know, hey, this is a software engineer. Um, we've got 50 companies uh, and 100 employees in here. Here's the median and some other um, statistics about that data. And companies will ingest um, those insights, usually just through spreadsheets, maybe compare across a couple surveys, set guidelines. That's kind of phase one. And it's still um, in wide use today. Um, I'd say the most common way for companies to get a grasp of the market. Um, I'll talk about why I think it needs to change. But there there is a second way, if you mentioned a couple of these companies, um, which is really more um, graduating from survey to crowdsourced. And so crowdsourced meaning, yeah, this is the glass doors of the world um, where um, folks can post their data online, um, and uh, a vendor can uh, aggregate that and and ship those insights off. And you know, it has some pros and cons compared to surveys. The, the pro is definitely it's just more transparent, um, and potentially has much greater amount of data. Um, the the primary con is it's just not verified. It's self reported. Right. Um, tends to be a little bit messier, right? And so if you're a comp professional at a large enterprise accountable to the board and your CFO and CEO to set a good pay strategy, you're looking for that gold standard. And so companies typically rely mostly on the surveys today. Um, so that's kind of the, um, the history. Um, and, and just what I'd say about surveys, you know, there are pros and cons, um, even right. though this is the most widely used practice today. Um, the pros is they're generally perceived to be accurate. Right. high quality. It's verified data. Um, it's curated by folks who understand comp. And so you're going to have that good foundation of, we know um, this, is, this is data that we can rely on. Um, the challenge is it tends to lag the market. Uh, companies will typically update their participation in a survey once a year. 
Um, the best survey vendors are pushing out quarterly updates. Um, but even then, um, it, it tends to, not only does the data lag um, because companies are only updating once a year, but the data itself um, is payroll data. So it's whether somebody got a promotion, whether bonuses were good that year, whether the merit cycle um, had a good budget. And so you're actually pretty disconnected from the market. And so since things have started moving really quickly in the past uh, year or so, many companies are feeling like the survey data is just not keeping up. And so I love the, I love that the lag, because again, you're, it's a, it's a wonderful reflection of what, what happened, but it, it doesn't necessarily help you with what is or what will happen. Right. That's right. Like if I'm trying to buy a house today, um, the housing prices a year ago aren't super helpful. The interest <laughs> rates are definitely not helpful. Um, I have no idea what I can afford. And by the way, I might say, Hey, this house cost 500,000 bucks a year ago. So I'm going to put out an offer of 500,000 bucks and your recruiting team is going to go crazy because they're going right. to say, Hey man, the market's moved 20%. And the comp team is going to say, no, nah, we put in an aging factor. You know, we looked up an average, call it 3%. It just, it's a total disconnect, right? It, 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 you're not confronting reality. And that, that's the, the main problem is companies pay strategies are becoming unsynced from the market because they're using old data to set their strategy. And you know, what's interesting about that is again, it's, it's not, you're not even factoring in supply and demand of, of talent, you know, cause again, you're, you're looking mm -hmm. backwards, which is, it is, again, there's a pro there you're looking, but it's giving you a snapshot of what happened. Um, and so if, if the market changes as it does with talent, I think we're, you know, we, the elephant in the room around hybrid work is how does that impact comp? You know, you've got on the far extreme, everyone's going back to the office, Tesla, to the other extreme, you've got, we won't own any offices, Airbnb, and then all of this stuff in the middle that uh, a survey, especially a survey that's looking backwards, isn't going to help you navigate. That's right. And I, Look, I have empathy for the comp folks. Me too. I used to be Me one too. <laughs> because they're the gatekeepers, right? Yep. And and what's happening is in the past year and a half, you just have more people yelling at you. You've right. always had people yelling at you, but now right. there's more because it used to be, you know, the the GM of a business unit or the VP of engineering will say, Hey, it really feels like um, we're getting some higher attrition. We've got a lot of folks leaving. We need to make sure our folks are paid competitively. You can say, okay, do a study, take a quarter, recognize the market's moved a bit, maybe make some adjustments. Now it's like, I can't hire anybody. I'm behind hiring plan. You've got spiking attrition because of all the changes in the world that have been happening. And everyone's looking to comp for an answer. Um, and of course you have the boards looking at pay equity issues um, more than they ever have before. And so the pressure on comp to get a good measure of what's happening has really increased. It's acute and they need better data to handle it. Well, let's talk a little bit about how we should do it. So now, now that we've gotten the history lesson and then all that's really important as a, as a foundation, um, especially for folks that aren't as steeped in, in compensation, how should we be getting, how should we be gathering data around comp today? Well, I want to submit to your listeners a different approach um, that I really wanted to have um, when I was in comp. I uh, just wasn't a good way to do it. And that approach is let's get a measure of the market from your own talent acquisition team. This is how companies should be doing this today. I see three primary reasons 
why they should be doing this. I can walk you through these. Yes, please. All right, cool. So talent acquisition. First of all, it's real time. So right. we're talking about, you know, the primary um, challenge of survey data as high quality as it is, uh, is that it lags the market. But your talent acquisition team um, every single day is chatting with candidates and having conversations about pay, whether that is earlier in the process at the phone screen when they're discussing pay expectations uh, or uh, describing your compensation philosophy, whether that's later in the process when the candidate reveals that they're talking to other companies and maybe has a competing offer, or of course, when your recruiters are preparing offers and presenting those to candidates and getting feedback. And so your recruiters, comp folks, are talking to the market every day. They are literally the enterprise's interface with the market and they're getting that real-time take. So what they see today, there's no aging factor that needs to be applied. There's no lag. And in some sense, it's not just real-time. It's like a leading indicator because right. if you're candidates are telling you what they expect and that gets out in front of your pay practices, you might be detecting a change in the market. And so all that sounds wonderful. Obviously the question is, well, how could you do that in a, in a high quality way where you're getting that real time data? Um, I'll get into that, but like, that's definitely benefit. Number one, right. get data from TA because it's real time. The second is relevance. So when comp folks are going out to the survey vendors, they are building peer groups of similar companies in the geographies that they care about. Basically, they're attempting to reconstruct their talent market. Well, here's the thing. Your recruiters literally are talking to your talent market. It is your open positions in the geographies that you care about from the kinds of companies that you want to recruit talent from. So when I think about getting data from TA, it is the ultimate relevant source. It is definitionally your talent pool and your competition. And so whatever insights they provide, you don't need to worry about reconstructing peer groups. Um, certainly not for setting comp for the general population. You can just learn exactly who TA is talking to today. So it's super relevant. Third thing, this one's a bit more nuanced, but it's one that gets me most excited is you can be more responsive if you're getting data from TA. Right. And here's what I mean. You're getting feedback from the market instantly because right. TA is actually putting your pay practices to the test when they make offers. And so if a recruiter goes out, talks to 10 candidates, learns that, hey, the average pay expectation is a hundred thousand bucks. You put out an offer for 90 grand, it's rejected. That's feedback. You don't need to wait for a current employee to start complaining about pay, maybe get another offer and eventually a trip. And then for 10 more employees to do that. And then to get that message from your head of engineering that, Hey, we might have an attrition problem and you're already several months deep. You instantly learn if your guidelines are out of whack, you're not getting offers accepted. So it's a super quick feedback cycle. And if the markets are fast changing, there's really nothing faster than running tests with your talent acquisition team and seeing if the comp strategy works. So, so we, uh, first of all, I love this. And again, I think 
you know, it, it'll, it, it, there's change on both sides, right? So talent acquisition has got to figure out how to change and work with comp uh, and communicate and get data to them as fast as possible. Because again, that, that's going to help the reaction time. And comp's got to figure out a way to, to not just get that to receive that data, but then trust that data. Um, so there's, there's just a little bit of change on both sides. So I like that, that it's not all change on, on, you know, one group of people and no change for the other. Both sides have to kind of come closer together. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, my expectation, um, based on my experience in comp, um, kind of like the story I was telling earlier about recruiters, um, seemed like their hair is on fire. Um, comp folks, uh, will struggle initially to, to see whether TA can provide that high quality data. Um, now there's a couple things that I'll say to that. Um, one is the recruiters rely on the applicant tracking system as their system of record for data. And that's, that's accurate. So if you're starting to get insights directly from your own ATS, you're going to have some really nice verified information. Now I know not every piece of data in the ATS is correct. It's not correct right. in the HTM either, right. um, but it's certainly a lot better than self-reported. But the second thing, and this is kind of a bigger thing, William, is we're in this new era of pay transparency, yep. where more and more folks are coming online across the country, cities, states, requiring um, different levels of disclosure, um, allowing certain questions to be asked or requiring certain questions to be asked or not asked. The bottom line is talent acquisition is on the front line of this pay transparency movement and recruiters have an opportunity and requirement, I think, to upskill in the area of compensation. So there's an inevitability that these teams need to come together. And at a minimum, that means some better training. Um, so recruiters really do have the data that they need. They understand your comp programs they can, so that they can better understand what the candidates needs are and compare those. Um, and ensure that you're compliant, of course. So these folks are coming together, whether you like it or not. I think the opportunity is getting that source of data um, built in so that you're getting all the advantages of learning from talent acquisition teams. Um, now that's the advantage for, for comp. And then TA, of course, hey, let's close more candidates faster. Yeah, which everybody wins when, when that happens. Is, is, a, is, it, is it the HR leader? Is it a people ops leader? Or is it finance or a combination of both that pulls these folks together? You know, in, in our experience, um, what I've seen is um, they can pull themselves together in two ways. Right. Um, one is that if comp is getting killed on needing a better source of market data, um, they can get really excited about what data is possible from TA and kind of pull them into a conversation. And then the reverse is true too. TA folks, if your comp team is bottlenecking you or you've got, you're stuck with pay ranges that you know don't work, you've got to find a way to raise that case in a smart way um, and get everybody in the room and talk about it. Now, so they can pull themselves together, but, but really um, I think what's an exciting opportunity for CHROs and just HR leaders um, is, the need to de-silo these two teams mm -hmm. and get them in the same room. And I think this, this comes down to, you know, what are your overall objectives um, in HR and for the company? What is your talent plan? Are you trying to hire aggressively or, Hey, you know, maybe second half hiring plans have shifted and cost is becoming a bigger factor. 
um, are you able to hire up and retain folks um, in the smartest possible way where you can manage cost? So that's the other thing is there's higher level initiatives um, that just beg for these two teams to be talking to each other. And retention uh, for a lot of CHROs, retention also uh, comes down to pay. Uh, and on, on some, not always, but in some time, uh, in some cases, you got to be you got to be dead on, you know, with employees as well. It's just as important. You know, we're talking about talent acquisition on the front lines, uh, but we're you know we're also talking about employees and being you know if you really want to retain them, you've got to also be aggressive there. You've got to be I say aggressive. That's probably not the right word. You've got to be you know at market uh, and and get ahead of anything that's already happening there. So. I wanted to ask two two questions was one, you mentioned pay equity. Um, how are you seeing folks manage that uh, today that's that's been different kind of than you, as you've seen it you know over, over your course uh, of your career in comp? Pay equity is a bigger conversation today um, than it ever has been before. Um, the shift that we're seeing, uh, I like to use an airplane analogy. Um, it used to be that the way that pay equity was managed is an airplane has crashed into the side of a mountain and you bring in a crash investigation team to understand what the heck happened. And so what I'm talking about here is you have lawsuits, you have complaints, um, perhaps publicly, um, you, you have skeletons in the closet. And you're worried about how to fix these. You, you know they're there. You don't know how to measure them. You might bring in a law firm, uh, do some analysis under attorney-client privilege, figure out how the heck you're going to get out of this. That's kind of where we're coming from. Right. Where we're going and what we're seeing the most um, forward-thinking companies do, instead of an airplane crash site investigator, you're seeing an instrument panel in front of a pilot while the plane's in the air where you get a warning indicator light it says, hey, there could be a pay bias risk in this part of the population right. or in this way that we're making offers. Let's make an adjustment and keep this plane in the air. So addressing the problem up front um, versus just on the back. And you know what? That's what people expect. That's what talent expects these days. It's just a growing level of accountability on this topic. And so the best companies are already making that shift. It's, and it's a push uh, from both ends, right? Because as you mentioned before, the boards are getting more pressure, uh, rightfully so, to make sure that the inequities get squished out. And candidates <laughs> on the front end are asking questions about pay transparency in the interviews. So you're kind of getting pushed on both sides, which is great because this is historically, it's like... Uh, this is this has always been a problem, it's, and, and it's not like it. Okay, this is a, have a post COVID or uh, a COVID issue. Now, pay pay inequities have been around as long as pay's been around. <laughs> so it's true, and, and it's amazing how quick this transition is happening. And, yes, and I'll tell a, a really short story. I think recruiters appreciate uh, just at, at Compa. You know, we're hiring software engineers, and we had a software engineer candidate just last week. Um, who had two competing offers. Um, we were really excited about this candidate. Um, we decided that we wanted to uh, match those offers um, and, and raise um, the offer that we made. And you know what his response was? It was, hey, listen, I don't want to be an outlier on how you're paid. I don't think I'd be comfortable accepting this offer, even though you're matching it, if the other folks in your company aren't paid in the same way. <laughs> Oh, and this wow. is coming from a top tier Fang software engineer yeah. 
this is the level of accountability that candidates are starting to ask from companies, there's a real shift happening. Oh, that's what it takes because they, they understand compression. If I come in and I'm the highest paid person, all these other folks, no matter how much they like me or how well we work together, we're doing the same job, have the exact same experience, yet somehow I'm making $20,000 more a year. That's just not right. And that, first of all, I love that candidate for just bringing it up. Uh, I think we're, 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 we're seeing more of that, that, you know, it's less, I don't know, shark infested waters uh, mm-hmm. of, of what we saw kind of in the nineties. Like, I don't care what everybody else is being paid. I just care about my paycheck. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so a little bit different. Um, the last thing I, I want to ask you is just things that you see with location-based pay. Again, dealing with that, you know, engineer, you know, if they're based in San Francisco or if they want to work uh, from Wyoming or to, you know, Topeka or Arlington, Texas or whatever, um, we've historically looked at location and adjusted for cost of living, et cetera. Um, you know, what are you seeing right now in the market in terms of how they're approaching, whether or not it's an inequity or not is probably a good podcast, but just the same person, you know, doing the same job, just living in different places. Uh, how is that playing out right now in front of y'all? Yeah, that, and I agree that you could do a whole podcast just on this topic. <laughs> it, it's changed so much and it's, and it's really rocking comp people because right. there's a heuristic that comp folks have been pretty well able to rely on for a long time, which is that the cost of labor roughly tracks the cost of living. Right. And that gets into a nuanced economic topic. Um, you can go read about that. We've got some of that on our blog. Um, but roughly speaking, here's what I'm seeing. There's this initial wave of reaction where we said, you know what? It doesn't matter where you live. Um, we'll pay you the prevailing rate. So right. if you could be in San Francisco, you could be in Huntsville, Alabama. You're going to get paid the same. Right. I don't see that lasting. Right. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't it's see that as a sustainable model. <laughs> in the same way that I don't think a bull market going for you know 20 years, 13 years was crazy. It, it just the party's got to stop eventually. Yeah. Um, listen, I do think there are longer term changes. It, it does beg the question. Um, if you are top tier talent working for a great company who's got deep pockets, why should you be paid less if you're right. in one state versus another? I right. do think on average though, um, the willingness of talent to accept a lower wage in a place where there is a lower cost of living, um, is going to even things out because if, if you do live in Huntsville, um, you know, with $200,000 a year, you might be the king of Huntsville. Uh, 100%. Um, and, yeah. And so the reality is um, over time, I think folks, um, as they um, kind of settle out um, where they live, um, will be willing to accept lower offers and companies will seek to arbitrage. Um, now, the other, the other quick point that I'll make here is the geographic shift is a huge opportunity for companies to bring more diversity into their workforce. That's right. I couldn't, I can't tell you how many times I was in conversations at large enterprises where they're saying we can't fill our pipeline with diverse talent. And then in almost the same breath, they'd say we can't hire outside of the Bay area. And <laughs> two things are connected folks. <laughs> the funny bone is connected to the thigh bone. <laughs> Charlie, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. A for your, just your wisdom. And, and also just, this has been a wonderful topic. So appreciate you. Thanks. Juan. Catch you soon. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. 
Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruit.